Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 5. My name is Jeff Burkhardt, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of the Adventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, Pearl Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Zong, editor of The Grin Dish. Sit back and relax as we attempt to pull back the curtain on the hospitality industry. And feel free to pour yourself a beverage. I know Kevin and I will. For this episode, we are thrilled to have restaurateur extraordinaire Larry Mendel, whose 40-year career in the restaurant business is unparalleled, certainly in this area. Beginning with Spectrum Foods and moving on to Sago Restaurants, at one point he oversaw over 200 restaurants that generated the combined $370 million in annual revenue. After departing Saga in 1986, Larry acquired Ilfranio, reportedly negotiating the deal on the back of a napkin, turning that company around, and by 2008, Ilfranio was operating 22 restaurants and three production bakeries. These days, he is the prime mover behind Podio Restaurant in Sausalito, as well as Copita in combination with Chef Joanne Weir. So thank you, Larry, for being on the show, and we thought we'd start off with an easy question. Take it away, Kevin. Given your long, successful career in restaurants, what's the secret sauce? And has that secret sauce changed over the years for the recipe of, for your success? If there is one thing that I think is responsible for the successes I've enjoyed, it would be finding the right people and staying with them. The longevity of the folks that have worked in the restaurants is, is I think, amazing in this environment. But they, they hang around, and I make darn sure that when things are good, they participate. Because on, on one level or another, if things weren't good, they'd be participants too, yeah. uh, but, I, but in a different way. As an example, restaurants are vulnerable things in the business world. I, I think that there are many landlords out there, and I talk to other uh, restaurateurs all over the country. They get greedy when a, when a restaurant does well, and they, they say uh, they want to raise the, the rate of, of what we have to pay for that. And then there's some that are really not good people, and they pick on their small tenant, which is a restaurant, and the tenants never have the wherewithal to fight them. So the landlord almost always wins, whatever the argument is. Mm -hmm. And it could be over a whole variety of lease issues. I had that happen to me several years ago where a landlord wanted, we had a, a, a number of years left on our lease and the landlord thought he could get us out and get a new tenant in there for a whole lot more money. So he started doing unethical things and bad things. I thought about suing him, going to court, and I talked to a half a dozen restaurateurs and they all said the same thing, don't do it. He's got deep, deep pockets, the restaurant doesn't, and in the end he's gonna win. Well, I'm from the Midwest and you know, I just think bullies are bullies are bullies, and I really hate them. And so I sued him, and we did go to court. Lawsuit lasted more than two years, and it was very difficult because to get the money to defend ourselves, 
we have lots of partners, and I started something called the David and Goliath Fund. <laughs> and, and so the partners yeah. could, if they wished, pony up some money. Then at the end, they, they, we happened to win, they, they would participate a little bit. Almost every partner ponied up. And so we had enough to fight. And we fought for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then we ran out of money. So from that point forward, all the money for defense was my money. It was another six, eight, ten months. And it was expensive. And it was gut-wrenching. Mm -hmm. But at the end, just one of those happy moments. So the, the judge we had turned out to be the chief judge of uh, the county of Marin. And she stands about six feet tall. And at the end, she walked on to this stage of where it was, where the proceedings were going on. And here's this woman in black robes, six feet, six feet one. And she starts lecturing the opponent on what dastardly people they have been. Wow. And how can you treat people or businesses this way? It's completely unethical. And I am awarding them $2 million. Oh, wow. Did your jaw just drop? <laughs> My gosh. I took a lot of breaths. <laughs> I bet you got some calls from your partners, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we did. Um, and so, of course, there was a nice distribution. But I also made sure that every single employee also got a check because they lived through it with me. Maybe right. not as bad, not right. with the same emotion. Right. But they were there in the beginning, and they were there at the end, and they got a really nice check to say thank you. People talk about restaurants really being a family, because ideally, that's what they are. So if there is any secret to my success, it's being lucky enough to have people in restaurants who consider the restaurant to be their home and they make the restaurant more successful. Pride of ownership almost to a certain yeah. degree, mm -hmm. right? Where they feel invested in the restaurant itself. Absolutely. And that's not true for a lot of restaurants. Some people, the employees feel isolated and, and it's almost us against them sort of thing. And that's not a good situation. No, no. It, it is very often us against them because on the other hand, I imagine managers sometimes take advantage of their staff. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> Whenever we have a chance to do something good for the employees that's off the books, that's, that's unexpected, we do it. And when the horrible thing we just suffered through hit everybody and restaurants were closing and restaurants were scratching their, their head, we made sure that we continued to pay all of the health and medical plans we had in place for all the employees and their families. Mm -hmm. And then we did, we did an employee fund, a GoFundMe, for the employees, which, which gave, and it was a successful fund, which parsed out not huge money, but money during the, those COVID times were really important. They needed them. It's always nice to get something when you don't need it, but yeah. when you really do need it, it makes a big difference. And you don't expect right. it. Right. Mm -hmm. I had a, an experience recently. A friend of mine works at a grocery store, and they announced at a staff meeting they were going to give everyone a 5% raise. Well, they made a mistake. 
And so uh, it was a 3% raise, but they had to go back and tell all of those employees that it wasn't going to be 5%, it was going to be 3%. And now instead of being happy about something they weren't expecting, now they were all mad mm. because they felt like they had you know, been duped. And, and that sort of thing, you don't realize the ramifications of doing something like that. But again, offering, it's just like working in the, in the restaurant environment. Help helps when it's needed. You, you can have five servers there when you don't need them, yeah. but if you don't have them there, when you do need them, that's a big problem. It's interesting how working in a restaurant versus the world at large are, are similar in a lot of ways, right? What works yeah. in the restaurant business works at life uh, at large. It's also interesting because down the street from us here at uh, the, the Trident, there was another big lawsuit where a landlord got in trouble mm-hmm. for doing the same sort of thing and they ended up losing the property. Yes. But the idea is, and people say it all the time, I'm going to sue. And people who say stuff like that are people who've never done it because it's it's exhausting because you don't really know. You have that stuff hanging over your head for two years. I think in business it was the most difficult two years of my life from a business perspective. And you've been in business a long time. So that's, yes, that's I have. <laughs> yes, I Yes, I have. So the other thing that you hear a lot about nowadays, especially post-COVID, is that this the, the white tablecloth type of restaurant is something that's going away, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be the fast casual. But... I've noticed that post-COVID, what's been happening is legacy restaurants, restaurants that have a history of delivering on their promises, are actually thriving. And I think that's true here at Poggio for sure. No uh, you were talking to Michael and he yeah. was saying that the numbers were off the chart from last year. But not from, just from last year, from 2019. Wow. Okay. So, pro, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's not a great comparison, right? Yeah. But yeah, but the idea is that the restaurants that, you know, and I, my feeling is, and I'd be curious to get your input on this, is that people are, are not willing to gamble as heavily. They still want the experiences of going out, but they're not going to try that hot new spot because it's expensive and they don't know what to expect. Where they know that these, these like I said, these legacy restaurants, they know what to expect and they know they're going to have good service and those, those employees have been there for a long time. And that helps. It helps a lot. I think coming off COVID, I, I think you make a great point. I think people wanted to know that where they were going to go and spend their money was worth it. I think legacy restaurants have done very well, and I think you know the good ones that have a good reputation done really well. And that's important, the good ones, because a lot of the legacy restaurants that cater to you know just plain tourists nonstop, they didn't make it. What were you saying about the the family atmosphere at a restaurant? I think that also parlays over to the customer side too. They go back to the legacy restaurants because when they go there. People know their name. They know the drink they want. They know the dish that they like, and they, they feel the like bartender. they know the bartender. Right. I mean, exactly. Everyone knows Tony here, right? Yeah, everywhere I go. Tony Negroni. Tony and I have been together thirty-eight years, and that says a lot. The restaurant business can be a grind. I mean, it, it's it's a hard job. That you know, the kiss of death in the restaurant. It, it sounds like it'll be fun. Well, <laughs> sort of, right? Sometimes, but but it's work. We're entering a new era, and do you see this style of restaurant beyond that? Expanding, staying the same, contract. What, what, what is your your sense of that? You mean like Poggio? Yes. You know the white tablecloth, not necessarily casual, but not necessarily super high end. I think there is a sweet spot, and I think even if they don't exactly know why, I think they people guess appreciate going to a restaurant that just a, more than they expect, just a little more. Doesn't cost any more, but you do get a tablecloth. You know, it, it, 
going out to dinner at a restaurant is a special occasion, even if you do it five days a week. Or that's what it should be. Somebody else is going to cook food. You expect it to be really good food. You expect the service to be terrific. And you expect that other whatever it is. The easy word would be the atmosphere. But everything lends to the atmosphere. And the tablecloth is one thing. Napkins are another. There's just a million things that happen that make it worth going to a restaurant instead of staying home that night. It should be special. I yeah. mean, that's the whole point. And, and while, yeah, I think that a lot of people now prefer a, a, a much more casual uh, atmosphere, Poggio, with its, with its uh, tablecloths, is having a record year again. Yeah. Maybe there's both. You know, maybe there's, and then maybe there's plenty of room for both. But I, I happen to like for dinner, sitting down like this. Also, you've established that as your motif, too. Yes. That's what they expect. You know, there is that, that notion of like the fast casual where I'm bussing my own table and getting my own food, and then there's a service charge on mm. the check. And no matter how you slice that up, as a customer, that seems kind of weird, right? Yep. And it doesn't have the same kind of thing. Granted, if you have children or something and you're trying to, to take care of that and be conscious of the other mm -hmm. guests, fast casual can work better in that thing. But Again, you're right. There, it should be an experience going out. And oftentimes, a lot of these newer restaurants don't seem to understand that. And I think that helps the, the people who've been around for, for a while. It generates even better goodwill, I think. Yeah, right? I agree with you. What do you think are the biggest misconceptions that people have about running a restaurant? As you were alluding to earlier, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be fun. We'll right. do this. And it's a business. I think you just said it better than I <laughs> can. They see a packed restaurant everybody's laughing, everybody's got a nice drink on the table, and they're enjoying their dinner, and everybody's having fun. And boy, doesn't that look easy. Why don't I have a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> and you find out exactly why you don't have a restaurant, and you find it out pretty quickly, because you blow a bunch of money, and, and it's not a pleasant thing, and it keeps you up at night, and all, all that other kind of stuff. But if you're doing what you're supposed to do and everybody is having a good time and enjoying the food and the service and everything, it's easy to say, wow, this is pretty nice little business here. I think I'll do that. And that's why it's got this incredibly high rate of failure. If people who don't know how to work on cars don't decide opening an auto shop would be a good idea, right? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't they would never even occur to them. But someone says, Hey, I like to eat, you like to drink, let's open a restaurant. That's be exactly easy. right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But all these all these That's like a really good well good way to put it too. <laughs> well again, it's all these little choices that make all it's a cumulative effort that, you know, those those cocktails have to be in the right glass with the right ice with the right garnish. The wine has to have the right presentation and all that. And those are there's a thousand of those little details. And if you don't get them right, it's that kind of a cognitive dissonance where something seems wrong, but you can't put your finger on it. And as a diner, you don't want that, right? And I agree with you. But again, that's what makes the statistics what they are. I, I think it's something like 80% of all restaurants that open close within the first year or something mm -hmm. like yeah. that and 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 then the percentage goes up after five years there's almost nobody left All right, it seems like it but isn't it interesting though like for every eight restaurants out of ten that close next week there's 
10 new restaurants right. that open up, you know. It's, uh, I don't know if that's a fool's errand or people are just like, you know what, I have the next big idea. You know, it's just like a beautiful girl walking by. Yeah. And you just say, wow, that's a good looking girl. Well, wow, that's a restaurant and that they're packed. I can do that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, add me a good looking girl. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the edges of our seat. <laughs> I didn't mean that, Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> or a great-looking car. Find out that you can't afford it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got to do the maintenance on it, right? A Ferrari yeah. looks great until you take it into the shop the first exactly. time. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you realize you're going to be there five more times that year. When, when restaurants function as a well-oiled machine, they do look beautiful. Yeah. It's, a, it's almost like a ballet or an opera where everything fits together. But when they don't, it's the Titanic, right? Yeah. And they go down like a... Like well a, said. Uh, you know? Well said. But again, people keep doing it. It's just crazy how over and over... It's almost like a drug. (laughs) Well, because you have a great time. You go to this restaurant, you go to to two or three times, you have a wonderful time and everything is working well. You know, that building two doors down from me is going to close. Maybe it should be a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do a restaurant there. Or maybe that restaurant two doors down from me is going to close. It looks too easy. If it looks too easy, you can bet your bottom dollar it is. <laughs> Do you dine out a lot? Love to know, like, what are some of your favorites around here locally? More and, and don't you dare say copita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. obvious our number one choices are always Poggio and Copita. Right. But I like going to other restaurants. Uh, I oftentimes learn something from them. And it's nice to nice to get away. So we go to we go to Angelino. We go to uh, Scomas. For us, we're so blessed. We live here. We live in Sausalito, so we can walk to the restaurants, mm-hmm. and we really enjoy that. And we have a good time. We also like eating at home. But mostly, if we re- if we really want a great night, we do go to Pocho. I don't blame you. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Not because the price is right. <laughs> In the city, I love. Although during the pandemic, we never went to the city. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a who's the place that does that's great great grilled lamb chops. Uh, the Greek place? Greek. Um, Kokari? Kokari. I, I love Kokari. And uh, so, legacy restaurant, too. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing for a long time, yep. right? Yep. And we've never been disappointed there. And That point about being disappointed is, I think, an important point because that's what you do not want. You don't want your, your client, your guest, coming into your restaurant and being disappointed. No. And a lot of times, you know, you know, Kevin and I eat out a lot, not necessarily together, but and it's amazing how the hype, the percentage of disappointment is now. And my expectations are pretty low. I just expect, you know, them to get my food to my table in a timely fashion, and that for it to be pretty good without being too expensive. And it's amazing how just those three criteria often don't get met these days. And it's disappointing, you know, because I've been in this business forty years, and. And to see that on a regular basis makes it hard to want to go out, certainly to these newer restaurants, which you'd love to support. Again, it's just a, it's just a strange time to be in the restaurant business, I think. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to change. Oh, we also go to El Fernayo. Oh, El Fernayo? Yeah. <laughs> Check it all the boxes. Yeah, uh-huh. Nicely done. <laughs> but again, this, this idea is uh, where does the restaurant business go from here? Do we, do we see more people going into it, more people getting out of it? 
I mean, because the, the, the media likes to portray it as everyone's getting out of it. And that's not true. You know, the media kind of is overshooting that, I think, where there's a lot of very good restaurants that are still doing very well. They just don't, they're not the hot new place on the block. And so the newspaper or the magazine doesn't do the story about them. But they're still there. Do you, do you think they'll stay there for the next 10 years or so? We were in Italy a few weeks ago. The restaurants we went to were crowded. They were very, very good. Did all the things you just said. My 30th trip to Italy. So, And I haven't noticed any change in the demographics, any change in anything. Well done restaurants. The service is really good. The food is exceptional. And people are happy and having a great time. And they make a drink the right way, and they bring a great bottle of wine. They do all the right things. And, and you leave there, and you just had a wonderful night. A decade or two decades ago, restaurants became the, the favored way of entertainment. And I think they still are. But that will also re- require them being exceptional places to have to dine. Once the food or the service decline, they won't go there. Why would they? They might go there for a minute. It's like baseball. Three strikes and you're out. Yes. Right? If, that, if you close early, is a good, good, the best example. If you're up posted hours are 930 and you see this in the restaurant business all the time, the restaurant's slow so they close early. The person who stops by at 915 three times and they're not open won't come by at 4th That's for sure. Those are the tolerances we're talking about. That people will be forgiving once, maybe twice, but they won't be for three times. But I also love your point about the experience because now going out, to like a concert is an incredibly expensive experience. Yeah. Going to a basketball game is an incredibly expensive experience. Where in the restaurant business, for $100, you can have a wonderful evening. Food. But you can especially have conversation with either a, a gal or, or, or a guy that you want to have. And you learn something. You talk to each other. It's, it's civilized. It's, it's way different than going to a sporting event. It's, it's two or three or four or five people, whatever number it is, and they're actually talking to each other. I mean, people now, they don't even talk to each other. It's a cell phones, you know, do text me this and text me that. This is the opposite. Dining out is the opposite of a cell phone. I think it's a nice break. So don't worry about tomorrow. Please join us next time when we welcome Colleen Goodwell, journalist, calendar editor, and assistant lifestyles editor at the Marin IJ. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening. Have a drink on.